Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, welcome to the Roarcast. Yes, we have rebranded and we had loads of suggestions for new names, but this one kept on coming up, so I had to pick it, the Roarcast. And today, in this episode, we have a great guest for you. As part of the Roarcast rebranding, these particular videos are going to be called In Focus, and it's going to be us looking at some of the YouTube videos I've recently released on the YouTube channel a little bit more closely and answer some of the questions that you guys come up with. This week's video is going to be exploring why metal music makes you calmer. And one of the people I actually interviewed in that episode was lovely Julianne from the metal band Benighted. Julianne is not just a singer, but he is also a mental health nurse and he has some really fascinating insights. So Tom and I asked him for a more in-depth chat. Because in, the, in their family, most of the time, they have the place of the sick person. Mm-hmm. In the hospital, they have a sick person. In the street, they have a sick person. For this moment, they are, they are a singer, they are a, a lyrics writer, they are uh, a guitarist. And it keeps them going and fighting against the disease. And it gives, it gives them the strength to, to, to keep on living. If you want to watch the video, Why Metal Music Makes You Calmer, before we start, the link is in the description. Enjoy the interview. Just to introduce you, you are both uh, a metal singer and do some crazy, crazy sounds, which are amazing, but also you're a psychiatric nurse, so you've got a very diverse background. Yeah, yeah. and the, the funny thing is that when I take one to the other side, for example, when, I, when I'm, I'm in the metal scene with my friends or fans or other bands and that, that they know my job, we have very interesting discussion about it because it's something that f- psychiatry fascinates people, especially in the metal scene, because it's a, it's quite a common theme to, to, mm. to talk about mental illness and psychiatry and everything. So I always pay attention when I write lyrics for Benighted to keep the disease with the real symptoms and uh, to to keep it very close to reality for people to understand mm. how, the minds wo- how the mind works and not Hollywood illusion and, and cliche that we can have about what it is to be a schizophrenic guy or a schizophrenic woman. And uh, on the other side, I bring a lot of my music uh, with Benighted and music in general in psychiatry because I, I make a lot of music with my patients and most of my patients know the kind of music I do. And uh, surprisingly, they find it very funny because most of the time they go on, on YouTube or something to check what's, what's Julian doing as a music. And they watch the music videos and they come back <laughs> the day after and say, hey, Julian, I, I check on your music video. S- seriously, you have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I say, yeah, we all do. <laughs> and it's, it's great because it's, uh, it breaks some kind of, uh, of standard and lines in the, 
the way they have to see a nurse, it helps me to get in trust with them even more easily because of uh, my, my appearance, because I'm bald uh, with a lot of tattoos. So when the patient see me arrive as a nurse, the first reaction, of course, it's to be suspicious, you know, and a bit, a bit mistrustful because I look kind of scary. But when they see the big teddy bear that I can be with my way to talk and I'm someone very, you know, warming for people. And uh, we can work very fast because trust is what I think is the most important thing in psychiatry with a patient. It's the trust because when they trust you, they can start to listen and believe what you say, what you explain them about how the disease work and how they can uh, maybe handle a bit the symptoms and recognize when they are, when they feel bad and it's normal or when they feel bad and they are close to the crisis. So we have to do something. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you have this kind of trust with the patient, it's 80 of a percent of the work uh, done. So the music is a huge tool for me uh, in my work as well. I want to talk about that in a bit. But what I want to touch on is the Hollywood idea of mental illness. I thought that was really interesting. And whether you think that there is a right and a wrong way to portray different mental illnesses. That's something that pisses me a lot. For example, this kind of movie, like, you know, like the movie called Split, the promotion goes along with, uh, it's taken from a true story or something like that. For people who doesn't know how the mental illness works, they all think that schizophrenic people are someone with 20 different personalities in their head. And it gives a very bad image of the patient who are suffering with this kind of disease, which is already very hard to live with. Mm-hmm. But you know, you don't need this kind of gigantic cliche <laughs> at mm-hmm. the top of it because their life is already very hard. In the Benighty lyrics, from when I start to write very seriously about the story of patients and explaining symptoms and very hard and morbid situations about uh, schizophrenic people in the Benighty lyrics, the only thing that you can find in every album is that there is never a single time where they hurt somebody else than themselves. Because we also have, because of the movies and everything, that schizophrenic people are very dangerous people who can uh, try to kill you in the street or something like that, which is totally untrue because the, I think the most vulnerable people in the world and they are very dangerous for themselves before they're being very dangerous for society. And it's terrible to, to have a patient coming to you and say, hey, I, I watched the movie, for example, the movie Split. I, I watched this movie and uh, I was told that I was schizophrenic, but it's 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 not me at all. So what's what's wrong with me? I'm not I'm not a normal schizophrenic. You know this kind of, of thing that you can get because it's totally untrue what you can see in the movies, and it makes a very bad publicity to people who are very suffering with this kind of disease. Do you feel like, and not just with schizophrenia, do you feel like the labels for these kind of mental illnesses can be helpful for people as well? Or, or do you feel like it's it's not good to put them in a box and say, you are this and these are the symptoms? The problem is, is that a lot of people have a lot of uh, lot of ideas about what schizophrenia, schizophrenia can be, but they, they, don't know, uh, they don't know what it is. So it's, it's kind of normal to, um, when you have to fight with uh, something that scares you, to, to put it in a box with a sticker on it and you say, okay, so this is this is schizophrenia, I got it. So everything which is not like this is not schizophrenia, so I feel safe. Of course, it doesn't work. <laughs> when you have this kind of disease, of course, it affects your personality, but you are a person before being a sick people. Mm. And it's important for this kind of people to understand that they don't resume their self with their disease. 
I mean, their disease is just some, something that makes them suffer every day, and they have to they have to learn to live with that and recognize the symptoms and everything, and to to be able to have a most normal life possible. And uh, this kind of uh, publicity doesn't help uh, doesn't help them at all. How does music? affect the patients that you work with and yeah in what ways does it benefit people well for the patient that take care of uh, the first thing is that music gathers them with other people mm. because when you have a psychosis one of the first thing the disease tells you is that you have to be careful with other people around you and that's why people are getting more withdrawn and more withdrawn yeah. all the time and uh, when we enjoy music together at my hospital, it's uh, it's a time with many people, but you and you share something with them, and you um, you have to take a place in that because your place is important. I need you to do the drums. I need you, I don't know, just to do a rhythm on the table, and it works. You don't you you, you don't know how to do more, but it's already okay. Do that, and you will see with everyone around you, it will make something that works all together, and we will create something together. Also, of course, all the disease and the medications, of course, it damages the brain a lot, you know, in a neurological uh, way of speaking. Music and listening to music and uh, create music, lyrics, enjoying it, paying attention, you know, being in time. It trains your brain to be active, not let the, the delirium take all the place inside. I mean, it saves all your capacities of thinking, of being able to switch from the delirium to, oh, someone is talking to me and I can answer him because my brain is trained to that. I learned how to do that despite my, my disease. Of course, the emotional is very, very important because music, I think we all have a specific kind of music or maybe more, which makes us feel emotions. For schizophrenic people, uh, emotions are something which are very difficult to identify. With music, they can put words and also sometimes make drawings about what they feel when they listen to a kind of music. And we can talk about it and share. I, I feel the same as you are. Ah, but that's funny because you find this music sad. I, I find it pretty joyful. So let's talk about it. And you share with people and they feel understood and they don't feel judged. I think I was reading that that you work on some of these things for quite a long period of time, for 18 months with people. Is that right? Uh, at the hospital I'm working in, it's patient, patients, they take their medication, they are pretty stabilized, and we work on everything that the psychosis damages. So we have some very short projects, something that can be done in two or three times, and we have album recordings, uh, which are, of course, longer, because the, these patients sometimes come for many years in the hospital, I mean. They go back to their place at the evening. They just come to, for the day. We work together and they go back uh, to their home uh, at the end of the day. So we take time to see who can play what instrument, who feels like writing lyrics, and we create a group of, for example, four or five writers, and we make some sessions of lyrics writing. We make it match with the music that we create with the other patients, and then we rehearse like a normal band. I do exactly like I do with Benighted. I mean, we, we write lyrics, we adapt it on music, and then we rehearse it to be able to play it and to sing it. Everybody has a role to play, patients or nurse. So we all have a role. For example, I play a bit drums. Very bad, but I play a bit drums. <laughs> and of course, we don't care about the, the quality of the professionalism of the result. It doesn't have to be perfectly in time. 
the most important is at the end to be able to say, hey, I did this in the band and look, it's not that bad. It's it, it's good. I mean, for, for months we rehearse and then I call a friend of mine who has a recording studio and then with my colleagues, we bring a group, for example, of five patients who come to the recording studio to record their parts or sing the, the lyrics they have to sing. It's a very intense moment, really. It's a, such an intense and nice moment to, because they really try, you know, it's for someone who doesn't, who's not sick, it's already very impressive for the first time to, you know, to have the headphones mm -hmm. and being in front of a microphone and you have someone be, behind the window say, it's you, it's now. <laughs> it's very stressy for, for someone who's not sick. So can you imagine when you have hallucinations, a treatment, um, a medication that slows down a bit your thought, you have to stay focused and you have to record it. It's a huge effort for them, mm -hmm. but they do it. And uh, after that, they feel like exhausted and I feel exhausted as well. <laughs> but, but we are so happy of the moment we shared together. And at the end, the result they got, because when everything is done, we work on an artwork, a layout for the CD. With some money from the hospital, we send it to be printed professionally. Mm -hmm. And all the patients can go back someday with uh, their own albums at home to their parents and friends and everything, saying, hey, I've, we made an album and I recorded this. Here it's my voice. I played these instruments in these songs I write all these parts and it's very you know because they have a very bad self-esteem yeah. and everything that can make them something else that someone who's sick because in, the, in their family most of the time they have the place of the sick person mm -hmm. in the hospital they have a sick person in the street they have a sick person for this moment they are they are a singer they are a, a lyrics writer they are a, a guitarist and it keeps them going and fighting against the disease and it gives it gives them the strength to to, to keep on living. Yeah, that's so nice. And in terms of the journey that you observe over a long period of time, uh, say over 18 months, do you feel like there is a journey that you see repeated among multiple people? Or do you feel like everyone is is so different that this music therapy affects them in completely different ways? Completely different ways because even if you have the same disease, you have you have many many forms of symptoms that you can develop, and you have light form of schizophrenia, severe form of schizophrenia. We have a lot of uh, bipolar bipolar disorder persons. Therapy goals are different from a people to another, but they helps them evolve on the side that they need to. With my colleagues, when we do this kind of project, we think about how it can help each and every one of them in very specific ways, not in a global and general way, but in a very, very precise way. Did you set up the recording sessions yourself? Yeah, of course. You did it. Ah, oh, super nice. What made you want to do that? M music is a huge part of my life, a huge part of my personality as well. I noticed, uh, with uh, because I work in psychiatry for 20 years now, I think, uh, I noticed that when you want to help people, the best tool you can have is a tool that already helps yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you share it with uh, authenticity, and pe people welcome it way easier. And they, they trust you because they feel it comes from your guts. It's something true. For example, if I would do the same for like, uh, well, take care of your hair. We, we, are, we will do something about haircuts and you will see it's fantastic. Of course, it wouldn't work because it, it doesn't come to me. <laughs> but it, it's not something coming from me, so it wouldn't work as well as something that I really believe in and that I want to share with them. 
So within the video, we discussed a lot about stereotypes and identity. And one of the interesting things that came up was the identity of being a metalhead was quite uh, a calming and supportive network to be part of. But there was also another side of that people not allowing other people from outside of their group or not accepting people from outside of that group and what do you think about that and where do you draw the line between a lovely supportive community and then no one else is allowed in i don't know i mean the stereotypes are always things that must be felt i guess and uh, it reminds me of something very funny from yesterday. I was just sh shopping and I arrived and you, you have these um, people in the, in the huge mall who makes you taste, you know, like cheese or candies so you can buy it or something. And I, I was just walking. I saw this woman. She, I think she was 50 or 55 or something and totally not metal. She saw my tattoos. She had her plate and I was about to take something and she saw and she, she put it the plate back and said, Hey, metal! And I was like, what? <laughs> that was so cool. And I asked her, you listen to this kind of music? I said, yeah, of course. And she, she really didn't look metal at all. And I found mm -hmm. it fantastic that we, we had this connection just because she didn't look metal at all. I looked a bit mm -hmm. more metal than her, but it wasn't a limit between the connection we could get because in a, in a mall in, in the middle of many, many people and we had this connection for, I don't know, two minutes, but it was good. It was very really good. Mm -hmm. I actually think that we found the metal community as a whole to be one of the most welcoming and yeah. warm communities that we've ever been exposed to. And I think that it's interesting because the perception of that community is often the opposite of that, that it's, it's the most entrenched in aggression and that therefore it's going to be the least welcoming. But actually, I think we definitely found talking to people uh, that the metal community was one of the warmest mm -hmm. out there. Is that been your experience as well? I, I never saw people being rejected by, uh, by, by metal heads or something because they're just interesting in getting in touch and understand what it was. When I see all the experiences I got about people from the outside, you know, for example, people from my work, when I brought them to the metal community at a concert or something because they wanted to discover something, even if the music wasn't not really their thing, they all came back saying, wow, but... I love the atmosphere that you've got in your concert. Everybody is so friendly. You have people coming to you. You don't know them. But they're just, hey, I'm ordering beer. Do you want one? I said, okay. And they, they didn't meet this anywhere else. So that I think I don't know the, the other music styles enough to be able to compare because I, I would be, I'm pretty ignorant about other music styles. So I, won't, I, I wouldn't judge them, but we have the luck to have, I think, a very welcoming community. Even if, of course, our appearance at first is pretty scary and pretty, which should lead to mistrust. Yeah, It's really interesting. And we spoke to Melissa Cross and we went over this a little bit as well. And, and she spoke about feeling like she would be intimidated working as a vocal coach in this industry by big, scary metal singers. And obviously that being as far from the truth as possible. But I actually think from the people that we spoke to as well, there is no one physical stereotype. I just wondered from someone who does kind of fit some of those stereotypes, whether whether you felt like you had that physical identity or whether you were influenced by the music that you liked and the people that inspired you within that music industry. 
my, my appearance wouldn't be the same, I guess, if I wasn't listening to this kind of music, of course. And I think I've been inspired, of course, by the, the community standards. It's a kind of culture. And uh, I really like the, the aesthetic side of, uh, of, our, of our musical culture with the tattoos and everything. It really talks to the, the child inside me which was very scared of monsters and everything when I was young. It's very funny to, when I think of it, to say, hey, no, I, I, with my physical appearance, I could be the monster for someone who doesn't know me. It's some kind of, uh, of resonance which uh, speaks to me a lot because everybody who would come to me with these uh, metal stereotypes would immediately understand in my way of being that there's nothing to be scared of because I'm someone very welcoming and very open to talk to to anyone. So uh, I, I really like it because it's, uh, I think it reassures me inside also that all the monsters that you can have when you're a child and when you're an adult, I talk in the symbolic way, of course, uh, maybe they are not that scary just because you, you never face them and you say, well, no, look, it's some it's something nice and I had no reason to be scared. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, quick fire round. Here we go. Tea or coffee? Oh, coffee. And trust me, when you work at the hospital, it's pretty weird to, to, not, not to like coffee because coffee can be your friend in many occasions, even if, of course, it's not that good for health, but uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of coffee. Music or lyrics? Ah, music. Even if I write lyrics, I always prefer music, of course. Cats or dogs? I'm a dog man. Creativity or logic? Ah, creativity. And a, a morbid one in my, in my perspective and in my character. Plane or train? Plane. I, I never take train. I don't, because I'm a, I live in a very small village, and when I have to to go to a long distance, I always choose plane because it's it's way easier for me. Beer or wine? Uh, I drink more beer, but I'm French, so I'm going to go with wine. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, red wine. Of course. Sweet treats or savory snacks? Mm, sweet treats. City or countryside? Uh, countryside, definitely. I couldn't go back to, to, to cities now. I, I feel so, so good in small village where a lot of nature around. I, I couldn't go back to cities now. Matching or odd socks? Match, uh, I don't understand the question. Tell me again. So, so, so socks, do you have pairs of socks or would you wear odd socks? 
What do you prefer? Ah, no, no, same socks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> The correct answer in my book every every day of the week. I, I traumatize Tom by wearing odd socks all the time and he's like, no. Like, guitar or piano? Maybe more guitar, but I'm bad I'm bad with both. I've got two big fingers. <laughs> um Friday night in or Friday night out? Ah, uh, Friday night out. Modern or vintage? Uh, it depends on what. Because I I'm definitely an old school guy. But maybe not for clothes, but for everything else, I would I would say vintage. Black and white or Technicolor? Oh, black and white. Moose or mouse? Oh my God, I don't understand that. <laughs> uh, moose? moose, like mouse? like a moose, yeah. or like a mouse, um. like. <laughs> <laughs> I really love, I really love Canada, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with moose. <laughs> Here is the part of the podcast where I give you a fun fact. Now, music and sound has always been part of ancient medicine with things like singing bowls. However, it is increasingly being used in modern medicine. In fact, it could be used to treat Parkinson's disease. Vibroacoustic therapy involves using low-frequency sound, which sounds similar to a low rumble, to produce vibrations that are then directly applied to the body. In 2009, researchers led by Lauren K. King found that short-term use of vibroacoustic therapy with Parkinson's disease patients led to improvements in symptoms, including less rigidity, better walking speed with larger steps, and reduced tremors. There is still so much to learn about how music affects the body, but I will be fascinated to watch how music gets incorporated into medicine as we learn more. Something that we found in this video, and one of the comments we got a lot, and it's really funny because it's really opposite from both of us, is that people like to go to sleep listening to metal. And for me, I couldn't at all go to sleep listening to metal. Yeah. I, I have to sometimes put on like some just like a gentle sound of the wind or something. But like, yeah. is that something that you could fall asleep to? A few years ago, I used to fall asleep with metal as well, but I, I stopped and um, I think uh, silence or night noises. Both people that, like for men. But I think for some other.
that help you express healthily as every person. Because I think when it, it gives overwhelming majority of people who listen to metal music uh, correlation. Because I, I think that we don't depression and what Someone who is just not feeling lose appetite when you lose uh, normal at a pathological level of depression or if you just need some you need a medication because the very huge symptoms with water i need to dry myself and, and it it sounds already like a huge mountain to climb and they just don't do it because they don't have the strength for that that's depression it's mm -hmm. not having crying moments 
every day, once per day for It can be a giant help if it's not a pathological depression. It's very important to split because depression nowadays, it means everything and nothing. We've, feeling bad is so intolerable now that, uh, yeah, you ask your doctor, say, give me pills. It's not normal that I feel sad. If it's not normal that I cry, I must be sick. I can go to work. So it means that I'm sick because I can't go to work because I feel bad. No. You feel bad, that's true, and it would not be a good idea to go to work. You need to rest. You need to see your friends. You need to have some things that cheer you up, and you have to to keep these times where you feel bad and when you cry and when you let things go out because that's the healthy process of mourning, of grief, and it's it's nothing, it's not a disease. Because I think a lot of people, as you said before, people are feeling really bad in general right now just because people are in lockdown. You can't see your friends. You don't have your support mm -hmm. network and all those things. Yeah, we are, we are not we are not sick. We, we just feel miserable because we have a lot of what makes us happy take, taken off from us. So mm. that's normal to feel to feel sad and to feel miserable. I have sometimes I have some guys who write me on uh, on private message that without benighted they probably be dead because. Mm. Uh, the, our music uh, really helped them going through hard times. Most of the time, it's people. It uh, it helps them. We are listening to the same music. This kind of connection is negative, so you say it's probably because I have a huge problem. That can help you even in the as long as you are not Imagine at times extremely taxing to be exposed to that kind of level of emotion.
on and out. Of course, mm-hmm. music, it's my rugby as well, but I things to keep the balance. and let all the energy get out on stage and with my friends and everything. I actually feel like from having chatted to you a little bit that that's also quite reflected in your music. I feel like you have quite a light-hearted approach to a lot of these things and and obviously quite an experimental approach in your sound as a result and you don't put restrictions on yourself. You want to play and you want to express in the most ways possible which I actually feel like people can sometimes think, oh, I'm comfortable here, mm. but you want to experiment as much as possible and express in as many different ways as possible. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah totally. And uh, the, the funny thing is that, for example, with the vocals, I feel more and more comfortable doing uncomfortable things because mm. I have my, you know, my vocal standards, which I, I, I know very well, and it's very easy for me to do that. But I find even more uh, interesting to experience some things that I don't fully control that contains uh, more emotion but my standard vocals because it's a way that I so I'm not sure where I go but I am very satisfied with the result at the end something that I I couldn't do by safe spot and and especially new things The result is even more. Bring with it. Yeah. It's this. Yes. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.